0: take your Bibles this morning go to Psalm 33. It's going to be our uh, theme verse this year. are going to do some preaching on it this morning and tonight. <clears throat> Psalm 33. Good to have uh, Brother Misery, pastor's up in Colorado. Um, his wife here, Miss Luann, glad to have them here visiting and, and uh, really thankful uh, for that. Uh, Brother Micaiah uh, Stanley is here. Micaiah, where, where are you at? You and your wife uh, back here. Uh, Yes, right here. Sure glad to have them. Magus's daughter and son-in-law, and he pastors up in Iowa. And Brother Thrift is over here. Sure glad to have him here. Uh, 36 years pastoring in Deltona, Florida. Is that right? And more years before that. And so that's a blessing. And just transitioned this past year. It was a real joy to hear about that and rejoice with them. Thankful for people who have been faithful in serving the Lord. It's a blessing, and uh, I'm probably overlooking somebody here, but I'm I'm so glad we get to have guests every week. What a blessing it is! So, Psalm 33 is um, is what we're going to look at here this morning. Good to have Brother Sam, and Miss Sandy here. Uh, mention this; he's preaching on Wednesday night, so I'm excited that, that worked out, and uh, so looking forward to that. Thankful for Brother Sam, and Miss Sandy, and time they've had off just to kind of recoup, rest, and get rejuvenated and get back at it. And so, but I'm glad that can, he can be preaching on uh, this upcoming Wednesday. All right. Well, verse number one says, rejoice in the Lord. That's what we've been doing. Rejoicing in the Lord. And if you missed an opportunity to get involved in that, then start now. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. O ye righteous for praise. Look at this. Praise is comely. It's, it's appropriate. Praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully. That's where I'm out. <laughs> Play skillfully uh, with a loud noise. That's where I'm back in. How's that? (laughs) Here's why. Verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in truth. Verse 5. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. That's reason enough to praise him right there, isn't it? It is. Then he elaborates on the first phrase that he mentioned, the word of the Lord is right. He elaborates on that in verses 6 through 9, and that's going to be our primary text. So we're going to deal with the first uh, five verses. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 7. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That's our theme. Stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. Well, don't you wish you could do that around the house? (laughs) Had some projects that maybe didn't get done this past year, right? But he spake, friend. He spake, and it was done. Wow. He commanded, and it stood fast. This morning we're going to begin to elaborate on our theme, and and God willing, each month at least. couple sermons or so, maybe one. We'll just see how God leads. Um, And um, I think there was 26 or so that we did on Love God's Way, and we didn't exhaust that theme. guarantee that, and we won't exhaust this one. But I'd like to do just a little elaboration on it, build it. And and, um, this morning, the title is this, Developing a Sense of Awe. Developing a Sense of of all, And then tonight, very much related to that, the danger of losing our awe. And then what we're going to do, God willing, is um, each month or along the way, we'll address one of the ways in which we tend to lose our awe. And we're in great danger as the people of God when we begin to lose our awe. And so uh, I'd like to preach a little bit about that. But well, let's get started this morning with developing a sense of of all, may God bless His Word as you're seated. <clears throat> we'll get into the message. I explained a little bit of this on uh, November the sixth of twenty twenty-two in our uh, celebration and moving ahead Sunday, and I like to introduce a theme at that time, kind of get everybody thinking about it. Um, and just kind of get us excited about it, looking forward to it, and and so I mentioned this then, and a few things. I don't think you'll mind hearing some of that again, but just kind of how the the theme came to be, and I'll, I'll never forget this ex- experience as long as I have good mind. Um, but it was this past June, Angie and I, uh, we were up in Medford, Oregon, which is a beautiful part of our country, and. And uh, there is preaching a revival. And on the last day of the revival, it was Wednesday night. And I met a man named Harry, Lang, 92 years old. And you can just tell that uh, he had a walk with God. You ever meet somebody like that? You can just see. I mean, he didn't tell you he did, but you can just tell that he did. He had a walk with God. And delightful man was just uh, cheerful to be in church. he just got over a sickness. So he hadn't been there the whole meeting. And, and so he was there and he had these, uh, these boards here and, um, he hand wrote this calligraphy and he has a desk or a table at the church where he takes scripture and pins it. And I mean, it's beautifully done. I realize from where you are, you're not going to be able to see it in this well done though. So yeah, you can see it. Yeah. And he had a stack of them. I mean, he had probably 30 of them or so. And he said, uh, I want you and your wife to pick out one. It was almost instant. And this is what I mentioned on Celebration Sunday. It's almost instant that it was like, I don't mean to be weird here, but I, I believe God is involved in our lives in very personal ways and that he's not a God that's aloof from us and, and he doesn't have any involvement or awareness of what's going on. But it was almost like, like God said, now, the theme is in this stack of cards. I've never had that since. Usually, you know, it's a process of discerning the theme. And and I realize we don't have to have a theme to conduct the Lord's work here, but it's been helpful along the way to just kind of get our minds working together and let God speak to us. And, but almost instantly, I mean, it was actually instant when I came across Psalm 33 6 and verse 8, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And then this, this verse here, let all the earth fear the Lord. And would you agree this morning the fear of God is something that's missing in our society? To our own detriment, the fear of God, the respect, the reverence that God is, is deserving of, and, and also a, a fear of his wrath and and his judgment and, and his punishment of sin, I mean, yes, he is a God of love, but he also is a God uh, that is angry with, with sin and sinners every day. And we need to be mindful of the fact that our sin has consequences. And And so the fear of God, a healthy fear of God, let all the earth fear the Lord, and let all the inhabitants of the world, and here is the phrase that caught my mind, stand in all of him. Stand in all of him. And, and so I really did appreciate Brother Lang and enjoyed my meeting with him. as fighting back tears, even him standing there uh, before me. And I, I introduced that to you on, on uh, November the 6th of this past year. And that afternoon, Brother Reed, the pastor, said, Brother Lang passed away today on that very day. Now, I don't, I don't want to read too much into it. But, friend, listen, I, I believe my meeting with Brother Lang that, that day was providential. Amen. And the fact that he went to heaven on that very day, I'm introducing it to you, I find it to be providential. And the fact that right now at this very hour, he with a long, well, a uh, lot, but even memory, many members of Southwest Baptist Church that went on to heaven this year, they're standing. or bowing in awe. I'd confess to you that along the way in the Christian journey, and I imagine many other Christians could confess the same, that even in the business of life and even in the midst of ministry, it's easy to lose our awe of God. Remember the young years. I mean, here are these two little girls singing here with all their might. Not that Chad and Sarah weren't, I'm not picking on them today, but, <laughs> but I mean, they just had that freshness about them, didn't they? And, uh, when you first trusted the Lord as your Savior, or maybe as a teenager as God spoke to you. And not that he does it as an adult. Because he can and he does. But along the way, it's easy to lose sight of all that. And I just uh, am thankful that God helps us to get a fresh vision of who He is again. After that, we got to be in God's creation, and I introduced that to you on November the 6th, complete with vacation pictures. I mean, (laughs) the crater lake and a waterfall that was just majestic, and Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and Farmington, New Mexico. Blake's here today. His family lives there. Corleys and rode back in a box canyon. And then Washington State and seeing Mount Adams and Mount Rainier and Mount St. Helens all kind of in the same, from the same vantage point. Somerset, Kentucky. Come on, I had to mention Kentucky. (laughs) But you don't have to travel outside of this state to see God's majestic work, All you got to do is look out here on the plains, friend, and look look this morning to see the sunrise and the deep, dark red this morning that was coming through that no painter has ever painted like that. Bob Ross or anybody else has ever painted something like what God paints every morning. And and you just got to get up and see it and then stay up and and watch the sunset and see that our great God did all that. Stand in awe. Stand in awe of him. Scripture is replete with verses that, that point out that God created, and we read in Nehemiah chapter 9, and how that thou hast made all, and, and I, I'm kind of on a little bit of a question, not necessarily just looking these verses up intentionally, but just in the course of reading to see how many times that Scripture emphasizes that thou, God, you've made the heavens and the earth. I came across just recently my Bible reading in in Psalm 146, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven. You say, well, what hope do I have? Well, if you know God today, listen, he's the one that made heaven. Heaven and the earth and the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. I thought, about, uh, I thought about Nebuchadnezzar and the hanging gardens of Babylon and how that his wife grew up in a mountainous area and there was in, in the plains of, uh, of, of Dura and just a flat place, kind of like, you know, West Texas or West Oklahoma where you, when your dog runs away, you can watch him run away for about three days. <laughs> and they lived in that same kind of place and she said to, to her husband, you know, I kind of miss the mountains and he built one for her. He built one for her. but it took a long time and it took a lot of people. But our God, our great God spoke and the mountains came into existence, friend. Without any kind of a building crew, without any kind of excavation, our great God just spoke and it came into being. We ought to stand in awe of him. Amen. I read Psalm 148, praise him, ye heaven of heavens, ye waters from above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded, he commanded and they were created. I read in Revelation chapter 14, I imagine a lot of you read Revelation uh, here recently within the last few weeks. Uh, and it said, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. And every nation, listen to this, our God is a God that wants to be the God of every nation. Amen. Of every nation and of kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, Fear God. Fear God. And give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him, again it says, that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. How do we develop that sense of awe? It may be that you're here today and and, and like me, you know, some people like a Harry Levitis. Uh, some of you knew Harry Levitis, but Harry Lang that, that just had a walk with God. And you say, how, how can I have that sense of awe? Well, first of all, of course, you've got to be saved, friend. And if you're not saved, then God wants to save you today. And if you're not saved, you need to be saved today because the Bible tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can trust Him as your Savior today. But you won't stand in awe of Him if you don't know Him. It may be that that you once stood in awe of God, but somewhere along the way you lost your awe. It could be that you've become bored with God. What a sad state that we find ourselves in at times just kind of bored. With God, familiarity, robbing us of the joy of even hymns. It could be that some turn of events has turned you bitter, made you angry. You may even be in the service today or at least at another time irritated, hoping the service gets done soon. It's a terrible spiritual state to be in. I think this is a lot of what we deal with, just simply distracted by all the things that's going on around us. Some of you are concerned about whether you put the right people in for your fantasy football. Some of you are concerned about your team or what's left of it. Some of you are concerned about your car. Some of you are concerned about your job. Some of you are concerned, I mean, there's all kinds of concerns. How do we we deal with all those? I tell you what we really need to do, just get our all back on God our attention back on him i pray i pray that even in this year that god might give some a spiritual renewal a, a spiritual revival that is desperately needed i pray that i pray that our young people i just took a little journey this morning walked around and the 5 year olds hey if you if you want to start the day happy go see the 5 year olds it was a blast <laughs> seeing these little kids come in oh it was so precious and they're all sitting and quiet and doing well right now. I don't have, I don't have a clue what they're doing right now. But, but uh, I pray that some children, and I went down into the sixth grade department, and I heard Brother Brian asking them questions that he asked them every single week. Who's the Holy Spirit? And what is the Trinity? And, and what is the Great Commission? And he's asking them every single week. You know why? Because they need to know this great God that made them. That they might stand in awe of him, lest they get in awe of themselves. Six different words are used here in the first two verses. The first uh, three verses, rather, to, to tell us to rejoice in the Lord. Six different verbs. Rejoice, praise, sing, and, and sometimes you see the word praise, but it's two different words that are used. Six different Hebrew words, all intending to exhort us to get with it. Yeah. <laughs> Evidently, along the way, we need some exhortation to really sing out. Amen. And I mean, and, you know, when we come in together as services, in services, I mean, it ought to be that what we, the way that we come, that we come ready to sing. And I realize sometimes we kind of drag in. You ever drag in? Well, at least you're in. But once you get in, get in, right? But what would it be like if we had just already been communing with God as a church family, having individual time with God individually, and then we come in here free, free from the burdens, free from the, from the, the sins that would hold you back, maybe just coming in here and just praising God for how great he is and what he's done in your life. My soul, it might get on in here. Yeah rejoice he says let's look at these here just briefly ever so briefly he says rejoice that means this give a ringing cry shout you say i thought we were baptists shout Give a ringing cry. Hey, listen, there when the tabernacle was, was, was constructed and, and the, the fire of God fell from heaven and it consumed the sacrifice in Leviticus, then the people gave a shout. They gave a ringing cry. I don't know what it sounded like. I don't know what they said, but maybe. Hallelujah! Our God reigns! Our God is real! If your God's real, you got a reason to shout it out along the way. I'm not talking about emotionalism, although God gave you emotions and let them go, right? And I'm, I'm not talking about fake, phony stuff. I'm talking about when you have been in the presence of God and you know God and you just can't hardly hold it back anymore and you just want to shout it out and say, praise be to God. Hallelujah a ringing cry, rejoice in the Lord. It was, it's, I found this word also in, in Job chapter 38, which by the way, when God was dealing with Job and, and all of his friends had spoken and then God spoke to Job and said, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? <laughs> where were you when I, Where were you when I created everything and you got everything figured out? Where were you when I made it all? Where were you when the, and he talked about the morning stars and he he talked about here in in Job 38, the sons of God, which which would most likely be in reference to the angelic beings. Where were you when they shouted for joy? Do you realize that when God created the heavens and the earth, the angels also created beings? They saw that God was doing and they shouted for joy, probably saying, wow, look what our God does, has done. Be glad, the Bible says in in Psalm 32 and verse 11, be glad in the Lord. Hey, it's all right to be saved and happy at the same time. Saved and happy at the same time and coming to church with a smile on your face and and glad to be here, not wondering when are we going to get out, but how can I get in? Glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy. And then he says praise. He says praise in verse number one, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise, that means this, give a a glowing report. Sometimes I talk about my wife's cooking, I'm giving a glowing report. Or I talk about my wife just in general. How's that? Is that not just her cooking? But talk about, I give a glow, I'm I'm praising her. I'm saying good things about her. You know what we ought to do as we come into church? Say good things about our God. Say good things. God's been so good. God's taken care of us another year. God's provided for us. God saved my brother. God saved my cousin. God God provided at the workplace. God God did this. God did that. Hey, say something good about God. It's comely. The word comely there means fitting, proper, appropriate. Uh, one um, One man said this, Alan Ross said, a believer without praise is like a person who's not properly dressed for an occasion. So yesterday I conducted a wedding and Imagine if Brother Lalo, he got married yesterday and married uh, Caitlin Cagle and some of their families here. And imagine he came out here in in just his casual clothes. He'd been in trouble from day one. Right? But that wouldn't be appropriate. It wouldn't be appropriate because this is his wedding day and he was dressed up looking sharp. Well, is it fitting that a believer would show up without praise? It's not fitting. It's not appropriate that we would show up at church and not give God praise. Hope you don't just stand there when it's time to sing. Hey, listen, you may not get to stand up here and sing a special. You and and I are in the same crowd. We may not get to be up here in the choir, but you're out here in this great congregation, this great choir, and you can give him praise from where you are right there. Another word for praise is used in verse number two that deals with public confession and how that we publicly confess before other other people how great God is. The next word is sing. Uh, in verse number two, he says, Sing uh, unto him with a psalter and an instrument of ten strings. Sing. Enter in his presence with singing. A saved people is a singing people. Verse number three, he says, sing again. And actually it's a different word there. And notice what he says in verse number three, singing to him, a what? A new song. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a new composition, though it may be. You know why? Because when somebody goes through something, sometimes God gives them a song. And I'm thankful for those that in this congregation have written songs and, and, uh, and have used them and let them be used. But, but here, as I studied this out, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's singing a new composition, but it may even be more likely this. He's singing an old song with renewed enthusiasm. Because of some new experience of God's deliverance in his life or a new appreciation just simply for the, for the uh, experiences of life and, and knowing the presence of God. You know, when you go through something... You go through a trial, and you start to sing day by day. And with each passing moment, I'm telling you, it can seem like a brand new song. Or some of the other songs like we've sung here today. And then, then the next word that I wanted to direct your attention to, he says, play skillfully. And when I look that up, it means this, make it good. Make it good. Make it good. Those of you that play, uh, by the way, haven't we been blessed to have instrumentalists who make it good? And a choir who makes it good. I thought, I thought about it this way. Why should some secular artist singing about something that's raunchy and filthy or, or, or at least vain or empty. Why should they do better what we do in cause of our great God. Amen. So if you can sing or if you can play make it good. Make it good not for you but for him. Make it good. Make it good. Why? The uprightness of his word. In verse 4, the faithfulness of his deeds, that he's trustworthy, that he's dependable, that the nations may try to stop him, but they cannot, that he's in charge. You've got reason to praise him today. (laughs) The righteousness of his decisions. In verses uh, uh, 13 through 15, it talks about how that he observes the inhabitants of the world and and he pays attention to them. And listen, he knows what needs to go on in your life. And when God leads you in that way, then you ought to praise him for working in your life. Stand in awe of the way that he leads us. How about this? Stay in awe of his love and kindness. That he could have just thumped you and sent you into orbit. Or dealt with you, punish you. Never had anything to do with you, and yet he loves you. See, this developing this sense of awe, it begins with reverence and submission to God as our creator and redeemer. Um, Look at verse number six again, if you would, please. He says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. By the word of the Lord. He spoke. And they came into existence. I might remind you this morning that you are not part of an evolutionary process. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uniquely made. He spoke the world into existence. Verse number seven says that he gathered... The waters of the sea together as a heap. He gathered them together. He, he assembled them. The idea is this. He set the boundaries. I found other verses about this. I read it in, the, in Genesis 1 this morning. That God called the dry ground, the dry land, earth. And the gathering together of the waters, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Psalm 104 says, Thou, has set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. So Proverbs 8, talking about wisdom when, and how wisdom was involved in all that God did. When he gave to the sea his degree, decree, the waters should not pass his commandment when he appointed the foundations of the earth. You know what, he, what he's saying right there? Is saying this, that God established the boundaries and said to the oceans, you can come this far no more. Now every now and then, he lets it come on in. but then he says, "You're back out." In fact, listen to this verse. Jeremiah 5 verse 22 says this, "God speaking, fear ye not me? Don't, don't you Don't you reverence? Fear ye not me. saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence?" which, ha, listen to what he says, which hath placed the sand for the bound of the sea. He said, I, I put the sand there to keep it from coming in on you. <laughs> By a perpetual degree. I like that part. That it cannot pass it. And though, though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail though they roar yet they cannot, can they not pass over it? You see, what he's saying here is that God, you and your wisdom, you've so made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and you've made it such for our safety and our provision. But I want you to look at the last part of verse number seven, because he says this, that he layeth up the death in storehouses. Now that has an ominous sound to it. Which means this, he could unleash it. And thus, that storehouse idea is found in Exodus 15 and verse number eight, where it says, and the blast of thy nostrils. Okay, so this is after Israel has gone through the Red Sea, which, by the way, was deep water that God parted. And then Egypt, uh, the Egyptian army coming in behind them, on the dry land, then with a blast of God's nostrils the earth were gathered together, and the flood stood upright as a heap. That's how he opened the waters up, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea, and thus Pharaoh experienced the storehouse of God's wrath. And that's why the next verse says, Let all the inhabitants of the earth stand in awe of him. Let, let, actually, I skipped the first part, let all the earth fear the Lord. Hey, listen, he is sovereignly in control for your good, but he's also sovereignly in control, and you better recognize that and not sin against him. He gives great blessings to those that submit to him, but you'll experience great trouble in your life if you try to resist him. Matthew Henry said this about this verse. He said, let us all fear him. That is, dread his wrath and displeasure and be, hang on, and be afraid of having him our enemy and of standing out against him. Let us not dare to offend him who having this power, no doubt has all power in his hand. That's what he said it is dangerous being at war with him who has the host of heaven for his armies. Therefore, it is therefore it is wisdom to seek conditions of peace. Thank God, there are conditions of peace Amen. through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brother Toby, who prayed for the offering, Brother Toby Hess a moment ago, has been witnessing to... Uh, A fellow firefighter, Brother Toby's a a chaplain, and there's a gentleman that he's been witnessing to for a number of weeks, and he's been resistant toward the gospel. But I love what God put on your heart, Brother Toby, and he began reading, I guess, maybe three weeks or so, maybe at least, or four, going into reading the gospel of John to this man. He allowed for that. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse, reading. The man has been resistant to accept the Lord as his Savior. Brother Toby called me yesterday and his voice was cracking and I thought maybe the man had passed away and had not trusted Christ as his Savior. But actually it was the other way. He had humbled his heart and made a profession of faith and trusted the Lord as his Savior. At at that moment I I was waiting for Brother Toby to tell me what happened. And I thought this is either going to be really bad But this is going to be really good. I'm glad it turned out really good. Listen, you may be right there at that crossroads. Maybe that somebody even here has been resisting him. You don't know how long you have. You need to submit to him. Trust him as your savior. And if you are saved, then submit your life to him. I mentioned Caitlin. She walked down this aisle. And her testimony was this. She surrendered her what she thought she wanted to God. You know, by the way, God wants for you what you would want for yourself if you're smart enough to want it. God wants for you what you'd want for yourself if you're smart enough to want it. And here's what she said in her testimony. And she shared a couple verses with me. I like to use those in the wedding. And, and she, she said, I had surrendered what, what I thought I wanted to God, and God gave me his very best. You know what she's saying right there? I recognize he's my creator. He's my redeemer. And I'm going to submit my will to God's will. And God blessed her. With was Lalo. You say, well, I'm not sure if he got a lot out of that. But we love Lalo. He's a blessing. The point is this. We're not going to develop that sense of awe if we're taking care of life ourselves, Going through life like you don't need God. Friend, listen today, you desperately need God. And to get to know Him. Every choice you make, and I don't think that's a stretch to make a statement like I'm about to make. Every choice you make, Either Every choice you make reflects your reverence or lack of reverence for God. You being here today is you reverencing God. But it could be that you're here today not for the right reasons. could be that next Sunday you think, I'm just going to stay home. Today was sunny. Next week it'll be snowy. I'm going to stay home. When you stay home and you don't respect God, reverence God... A layer of hardness begins to form around your heart and you begin the process of losing your all today is all tithe sunday we just heard a wonderful sunday school lesson brother larry baker just taught a great lesson here in the southwest bible class talked about our tithes at work it was awesome wish you could have heard it but when you say i don't think i'm gonna give a tenth of my income to god i'm gonna keep it all you're not fearing god you're not standing in awe of Him. And a layer of hardness begins to form around your heart. You begin to get cold and indifferent towards God. You're losing your all. And every one of us are in danger of it. How do we get it back? We do what these verses say. Rejoice. Sing. Praise. Fear. Submit. Humble yourself, get your eyes back on God. And when you get to know him even more, you'll stand in awe of him. Father, I thank you this morning. And I pray diligently, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to know you more, that we might stand in awe of you. to Draw close to you, dear God. I pray for anyone here that is not saved that they would come before you for salvation. To know that you're a holy and righteous God and that there will be no bargaining with you. There's no plea that they can make except just being a sinner and coming to receive the gift of salvation. God, I pray that you'd remind us all of your greatness and your power. I pray that even in the course of this year, that through your word and through being in your creation and just being in time and season of prayer, that God, we might get to know you fresh and new, that you might bring spiritual renewal where it's needed. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together here this morning. Perhaps uh, you needed to be reminded.